Everyone is looking for purpose, for a life that matters, and we want to be a church that helps people find that. This is the Collective Church Podcast from a life-giving and vibrant new church right here in London, Ontario. Here's this past week's message from our pastor, Tyler Fromm. Uh, good morning, guys. Again, my name's Todd. I'm part of the team here at Collective Church. Um, first thing I want to do is, can we just give our worship team a hand, a round of applause? They are phenomenal. <laughs> you guys, you guys are amazing, and I never, and well, I don't say never, but I want to make sure that you guys are aware that you guys do a phenomenal job. Um, uh, welcome, everyone, to Collective Church. Um, if you're here, whether it's your first time here, you've been here a few times, we're so thankful that you're here this morning. Um, we are in a series right now called Extra Ordinary. We've been looking at the book of Proverbs and unpacking a lot of the wisdom within that book. Over the past few, over the past few weeks, we've had the opportunity to speak, to have different members of our collective family come and, and speak truth and... and uh, I hope everything is okay by there. Uh, <laughs> uh, different members of our family come in and speak and speak about the book of Proverbs, and it's been valuable for us, and it's been awesome to just hear different perspectives from, um, from our family. And this week, we are fortunate to have Steve Fleming here with us. Um, Steve is a, a very valued member of our collective family. He is one of a few people that is an overseer of our church. Um, he watches over us and, and he encourages us and supports us and walks alongside us. And we're so thankful for Steve's um, presence as he's led his own church and, and gracefully passed it on. And he's here again with us today. Um, so I just want to give him a warm welcome and I want to pray for you, Steve, um, before, you, before you come up and, and um, we're, we're anxious to hear from you. So um, dear God, I just want to thank you. Thank you for this opportunity that we have to come together and and seek you and glorify you and um, just get closer to you, God. Um, I ask that you empower Steve as he uh, comes up this morning and, and shares your word. And I just ask that you open up our hearts to receive it. Um, God, empower us to not just hear, hear your words through Steve, but actually um, feel moved to create change and, and take those words and use them in our everyday lives from um, seven days a week. And, and God, I just want to give the utmost thanks for um, everyone in this room, everyone online, and for Steve specifically as he's here with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, Todd. Appreciate it. It's great to be with you here at Collective today, and uh, Pastor Tyler told me about your series, but uh, gave me uh, the opportunity to kind of give you a break in the series. I'm going to talk about relationships in the next two weeks, and uh, Proverbs has lots to say about relationships as well, and I'm sure you notice that there's 31 of them, so you can read one a day and ask the Holy Spirit to, to give you insight into the Proverbs. There's a lot of information. I've been through Proverbs many times, and every time I go through the Proverbs, you know, you, you notice, I'm a, I'm a Bible marker. I don't know about you, but my Bible is pretty good marked up. And it always amazes me, because the Bible is a living book, how it will speak to you different things out of the same verse. So you'll find you color-coded, and, and I circle things, and I put stars in the corner, and notes in, in the side margins and all kinds of stuff. And I can have it marked up and all of a sudden I'm reading and I'm spending time with Jesus and I notice something brand new. 
The living book speaks to you where you are today, what you're going through, circumstances of life, uh, where you're in need of wisdom. And uh, when you read the Bible as a living book and not just as a book on the shelf, um, it speaks to you. The Holy Spirit, uh, as a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit within gives us understanding and revelation from the Bible. I got away from God um, early in my, my, my life about when I was 18. For about a year, I was working in Stelco, and the factory um, environment did not help my spirituality. Uh, it, it, it interrupted my uh, regular attendance at church, and uh, it almost cost me my destiny. And so I'm very big on local church and our need for community. If, if you don't care about how life goes and you don't really care about living life well, you don't need anybody. Uh, but if you want to live life well, single or married, then you need people. And so we need each other, and that's why we gather together. Um, one of the songs we were singing about, we need a move of God, and we talked about healing and miracles and it's a powerful song and powerful words. Think about it, that God gives us the authority of Jesus to operate as his people in the earth. It's an amazing thing. But how does he do that and what's that about? I want to touch on that today probably as we recognize that God gave us a great commission and a great commandment. The Great Commission is found in Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. Discipleship never stops. Uh, I'm still being discipled. I'm a disciple of Jesus. So the, the key is to go deeper and, and not just wider. Uh, we have to keep going deeper in our discipleship. Uh, the great commandment is what Jesus said in John 13, 34, where he said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I I'm firmly convinced that the only thing that's going to convince the world around us uh, that we really are uh, children of God is by how we love one another. And that's a continua <laughs> continuous challenge. Continuous challenge. Um, the only way we can accomplish the Great Commission is through the Great Commandment. Easier said than done. We need a revelation of God's love and the power of the Spirit. And uh, I think we've all, if we are being honest, and hopefully being honest in church, uh, that we've all had relationships that went wrong. Uh, maybe at work, uh, there's that guy, that girl. Uh, maybe you are that person. Um, certainly relationships go wrong around school, in the schoolyard, peers, family, and certainly also with church, uh, where we have a very high expectation of relationships. Uh, relationships uh, has been our passion since we uh, got called us uh, to plant a church back in 1984. Um, whatever God sets on you is also the thing that the enemy will attack the greatest. So whatever you hold dearest to you will also be those things that come under attack. So uh, relationships are, are not easy um, to do well, or we would have more than well around us. So um, this is the challenge of relationships. Keep our hearts big and soft. 
rather than hard and small. Um, if you picked two apples today, one would be nice and juicy and you'd like to eat it at some point in time. The other one would have been left out in the sun for about two and a half weeks. If you know what happens, uh, you can dehydrate an apple, but if you put it in the sun, it will naturally dehydrate. It will get both smaller as the fluid gets dried out, and it will get hard. That's our heart. If we don't guard our heart, it will get hard and shrink. It's not good for relationships. We misunderstand what is going on around us, and our perception gets messed up when our heart gets hard and it shrinks. I want to take you through uh, the book of Mark uh, just by way of introduction. We're going to go through um, a brief walk through uh, the book of Mark. We're going to start in Mark chapter 3, uh, verse 1 to 5 is the, is the passage, and I'm not going to read all these passages, but I'm going to refer to them. Uh, this is about Jesus' healing on the Sabbath, uh, which was to the religious people a no-no. And, and if you'll notice, the, the Gospels continually show Jesus healing on the Sabbath. He seemed to love to uh, poke at their tradition because they were missing the point. They missed the heart of God. They missed the heart of God. They were trying to serve God and missed his heart. That's like the Apostle Paul. Maybe you've heard about the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul was a man who served zealously his God only to find one day on the road to Damascus that he was fighting against the God he thought he was serving. That will mess your mind up. When you realize you've been fighting against the God you thought you were serving, that describes the religious mind that needs to be set free. Well, here we are, Jesus, and uh, in verse 5, he says, and when he looked around at them with anger, because they got upset because he healed somebody on the Sabbath, uh, he was grieved by the hardness of their hearts, and then he said, stretch out your hand, and he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. And rather than going, wow, yea, God, they got more mad. Th this word, Hardness means stupidity or callous. They are more concerned about traditions than they were about this man's life. In Mark chapter 4, verse 15, we, Jesus is explaining the parable of the sower. And uh, the first place that the seed gets thrown is into the wayside. The wayside is beside the road. It's the hardest place. But he's talking about the word that gets sown in a heart. So he's not talking about a road. He's talking about a heart. And a wayward heart, a hard heart, is, is where the seed never takes place because it's just, it's just too hard. If we allow our heart to get hardened, we don't listen to reason. We cannot hear correctly. We don't see correctly. Literally, this is the place beside the road. And if you've ever been to Israel or you've seen pictures, it's a desert. It's very hard. That's the heart that won't receive what God's word says. In, in chapter 6 of the book of Mark, uh, we find that um, Jesus is about to feed the uh, 5,000. And uh, 
verse 49 to 52, he uh, tells them to get in the boat and go to the other side. So they're kind of on the east side of Jordan and of the Sea of Galilee, and they're going across to the west side, to Magdala, or to Tiberias. And uh, he goes off to pray, and a storm comes up, and the wind blows. The wind blows. Now, these are fishermen, not just any wind. They're rowing like crazy, and Jesus sees them. Well, it's not that big, so he could probably actually see them struggling out in the Sea of Galilee, because you can see the whole Sea of Galilee from one spot. And he goes walking to them on the water. And uh, then he stills the storm, and they're all amazed. And he makes this statement. You guys didn't understand the loaves of fish because your hearts were hard. Well, what do the loaves have to do with the wind? Well, they just saw a miracle. They just saw the power of Jesus' words and, and doing what he called them to do. And he had told them to go to the other side. He didn't say go to the middle and sink in the storm. He said go to the other side. And so the hardness of their heart caused them to miss. And, and before we get too hard on the disciples, too many times we have been them that, that we didn't get. And we have the advantage of the stories that have been left behind for our example. Well, in Mark chapter 8, now they've seen the feeding of the 5,000. They've also seen the feeding of the 4,000. And now uh, they're back in a boat again. And uh, they realize, oh, no, we forgot lunch. We forgot the bread. And Jesus says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And they're thinking, he's upset because we forgot the bread. Now, they had just seen the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000. That was just the men. That was not the women and the children. So, you know, triple that. Do you think Jesus is really concerned about the lack of bread or they didn't have lunch yet? I don't think so. Jesus didn't think so either. Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, why do you reason? The word reason means to deliberate or reflect upon by discussion, to take an inventory. Uh, do not perceive nor understand. The word perceive means to exercise your mind or to comprehend. Don't you comprehend? Aren't you thinking? There's a lot of people that talk before they think today. But do not understand. Mentally comprehend. <laughs> understanding is necessary for us to come to agreement in, in minds, in relationship. But a hard heart stops us from understanding or perceiving. And then we're left to our own reasoning, and that will get us all in trouble. The, the garden is where it all began, where we thought that we knew better than God and that we wanted to operate in our own understanding. Started with Adam and Eve, but it continues on today. We choose to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil rather than listen and eat from the tree of life, which is just do what God said. Here we are, God. We're gathered here. Come and do what you want. We just sang that. We just sang that today. Come and do what you do. I mean, that's our heart, right? That's what we really want. We just continually kind of get in the way. So we want, we want to get to that place. Okay, well, one more, one more example, Mark chapter 10. In this case, he's talking about Moses giving 
This is the question, you know, but Moses gave us a certificate. He said we could have a certificate of divorce, which was true. But Jesus says Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and to dismiss her. Well, this is what they said. And Jesus answered and said to them, because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. It was not the will of God. From the beginning, this is what God's plan was, he says. Why? Because of the hardness of our heart. The hardness of heart, hopefully you see, is that bad stuff when we harden our heart. And one of the worst things is you can't tell. With an apple, you can tell and say, that, that's, that's hard and it's not good. But I can hide my heart from you. It will come out sometime. Uh, sometimes, you know, I used to, uh, I'm, not, I'm not, a, not a great counselor, uh, not my main gifting. Um, so I love coaching better because it, it's people that, that want help. And uh, anyways, I, I would have this, I call it my counseling balloon. It was just a big balloon and I put it in my drawer and I bring it out. And I'd use it many times. So it would go big. Um, over the years, it was easy to blow up. And I would start to, to blow, and, and, and I would kind of lean forward in towards a couple. And, and uh, they, they, uh, the bigger the balloon gets, the more you kind of draw back a little bit, right? So, so what's the problem? Uh, well, it, it just might pop. Um, it's possible. I keep blowing. Um, so when's that going to happen? Well, nobody knows. That's the problem. Nobody knows. When you've got a hard heart, you never know when you're going to expose it. And we don't plan on it. Early in my married life, I said something really stupid. I've said a lot of stupid things in my married life. Um, and then I tried to take my wife knows Jesus and she knows the word. And she said, uh, so I didn't mean that. And she goes, Jesus said, oh, now you know you're in trouble. <laughs> Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. How many have been surprised before by something that was in you that came out and you didn't even realize you were thinking that? You didn't know that you actually felt that way. It comes at the most inopportune times because more brokenness is always the result if we allow our hearts to harden by what we experience. And that is true for all of us. We have to make decisions and, and choices. We can't determine what happens to us or what other people do to us. We can determine how we'll choose to respond to it. I want to talk to you today about buying the field. Buying the field. It's not about economics. It's not about uh, investments. Uh, but in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, there's this uh, um, passage. It's part of, a, part of a parable that Jesus is, is, is telling and talking about. And um, Matthew uh, chapter 13, verse 44. And the kingdom of heaven is like, and there's a list of these things. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Okay, so see, he seeks the treasure. The treasure is something that's valuable, something that's precious. Uh, desire with joy. This word joy is kara, which means to, uh, with cheerfulness and delight. So you find treasure and you find delight. This is what the kingdom is like. Sell all to get in. So he's all in, not, not let's just try this, but all in. The kingdom's like that. If you get it, if you see it, and you see the treasure of it, it brings great joy, and you're 
all in. But then to get the treasure, you have to buy the field. It costs something. The kingdom, kingdom really, what it costs is your life. It's an exchange of Jesus' life for our life. He, he loves me, gave his life for me. I love him. I give my life to him. Paul put it this way. Because he first loved me, I love him. Our response to discovering the kingdom is to buy the field, really get it, if we really see it, if we really see what God's after, uh, we want to buy the field. It gives us great delight to buy the field. Uh, the, 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 the challenge on your Christian life to not become so familiar with the kingdom that you take it for granted and you forget the delight. So, um, three things I want to mention to you. And that is that God bought our field. God bought our field. We are called, uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, we are God's fellow workers. Uh, you are God's field. And you are God's building. He bought our field. See, God loves you. He saw treasure in you. When you didn't look in the mirror and you didn't see treasure, God sees treasure. When I get ticked off at Steve and I look in the mirror and I make say something not nice about me, God never agrees. Never. On your worst day, God still sees treasure in you. When you did something stupid, God sees treasure in you. If you don't know Jesus today, if you don't even believe in God today, God sees treasure in you because he made you in his image. And we have a world full of people that are trying to make themselves into their own image if they only knew and believed that God had already made them in his image and put treasure within. I'm convinced that no matter how old we are, we've never discovered all the treasure that God put in us. Because it's not until you get in a situation where you actually need what God put in you that it gets drawn out. That's, that's the beauty of, of being servants of Jesus and offering the gifts that God's given to us. You will discover more gifts. When you use the gifts that God put inside of you, part of the treasure is you discover more. And you go, wow, I never thought that I could do this. I never thought that was in me. Well, don't stop there. Keep developing and growing in that because as long as you have breath, God has more in you that he knows is there and he will call it out. Just an example, in Ruth chapter 4, verse 4 to 6, we find the story of Boaz and Ruth. And it's, it's a great story. Don't have time for the whole thing. It's a, kind of a whole time on its own. But um, Ruth, Ruth is a widow, and her mother's a widow. And they go back to their hometown, broken, and, and they have nothing. And, uh, but Boaz is a close relative, and he could be a kinsman redeemer. So in their situation, somebody who's a close relative could actually buy back the property of the family. So in other words, Naomi's husband's uh, land, they could buy, he could buy it back. So um, it's, it's a beautiful story. Uh, it's a beautiful love story, but it's big because it's really a type of Christ. Boaz is a type of Christ. Ladies, if you're not married yet, you want a guy like Boaz. All right, you, you want a Boaz, not a Bozo. Now that's a, that dates me a little bit. Bozo was Bozo a clown. Uh, but you don't want a bozo, you want Boaz. And uh, 
So Boaz says, I, I'd be glad, happy to do that, um, but get the picture too, because he's a fair bit older than, than Ruth. And so, he, but, but he goes to, there's another relative that's even closer, and he has first place. He can do that if he wants. And, and actually, the guy agreed to it until he realized that he had to marry Ruth, who's a Moabite. Moabites were family uh, descendants of Lot. Uh, that's another story. And this guy was, oh, I can't do that. It's going to really mess up my inheritance. It'll really mess things up. I can't do that. So Boaz, in that case, takes off his sandals and, and says he will buy the property of Naomi and Ruth and marry Ruth. What, what I want you to see in this is he bought her field. And he didn't do it for himself. He did it for her. It was restoring Naomi and Ruth's family heritage and legacy. Now, the byproduct was he got Ruth. And the byproduct was they had a son who had a son who had a son who had a son who had a son, and, and his name was David. It's right in the line of King David, right in the line of Jesus himself. But Boaz was about restoring the dignity of a family. It wasn't even about him. That's what Jesus did. He, he, he bought your field, not for himself, but to restore what the enemy stole and to give you back your life. Well, secondly, it's about buying the field with one another. Uh, what, oh, what do you mean, Pastor Steve? Well, the key to remember is what Jesus did for us. Now we want to extend that to each other, and we want to buy the field relationally. When you buy the field, you get the dirt with the treasure. Ever notice that? Uh, every field has dirt. You got to dig through dirt to get to treasure. And in relationships, every person's got treasure, but every person's got, come on, say it with me, dirt. Okay, can we handle the dirt? You know, uh, you're going to meet a, per a perfect person, um, but if you're not married yet, here's something you can, you, you can get a really good start on. Just find out where the, as much dirt as you can on the front end. Uh, one pastor put it this way, find out the junk in the trunk. Everybody's got junk in the trunk. You just have to know if you're going to sign up for the junk in the trunk. Can I handle that? Okay, yeah, okay, now I know that. So, you know, it, it's good. Yeah, surprises are the hardest things to handle in every relationship. So, you know, once you know where the dirt, we all have dirt. Dirt's brokenness. It's past bondages. It's our upbringings. It's abuses. It's failures. It's mistakes. Insecurities, fears, pride. Idiosyncrasies and biases and blindness. It's all those kind of things. We all have dirt. And we need each other. Years ago, I started saying NPP, NPP, NPP. It made it part of our language in church. It means no perfect people. No perfect people. The only kind of people there are are imperfect people. See, teams are made up of different personalities and motivational gifts and love languages and diversity is great strength when we understand how to work together, but it also is a great challenge. So what are we looking at? When you look in relationships, are you looking for the dirt or the treasure? <sighs> you know, you never trip over treasure. You always have to go hunting for treasure. My wife and I have been married for 46 years. I still have to hunt for treasure. She still has to hunt for treasure. 
And what happens sometimes in relationships, you know, we all need to focus on the treasure, not the dirt. The dirt will come. We'll see it. But focus on the treasure. Keep your eyes on the treasure. And remember that the relationships, when we start to harden our hearts towards someone, um, we forgot that they were someone that we, at one point in time, found delight in. Not in church. Oh, yeah, in church, too. In the body of Christ, in church. We forget how awesome it was at first. And all of a sudden now, personal, can I say, personal agenda rises to the top. Did you know that when you get saved, um, you didn't get saved from personal agenda? Oh, I wish it was so. No, no, it has to be a choice and decision. Here's my theory. Um, I think it's theologically sound, but it's not pointing to a verse, all right? So that I think that when I got saved, my personal agenda did not get delivered. It's still there. What changes me from the guy in the world that doesn't know Jesus is that I want to please Jesus even more than I want to please myself. And as long as I remember that, I do life his way. And when I forget that, I live like everybody else. Christians living as if they did not have the Spirit. And because God placed his spirit in it, he gave us the ability to actually do what he asked us to do. Not in our strength, but in the strength of his spirit. So when we get to this place and we buy one another's field, that's what we have to remember. So, so the third thing is I want to give you some practical insights. What does that look like? Buying the field means, uh, it means commitment over convenience. Society. Commitment's always made before the greatest need for it. You make a commitment. I'm going to love you all my days. I'll give everything to you. That's what we do in marriage. We do it all. Well, then one day it will get tested. See, I commit myself to get help before I know I need help so that when I do need help, I have people in my life that will actually speak to me. And when my heart's getting hard and my ears are getting dull, I need people that I've already given right to speak in and say, no, 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 no. You said this, and we're here to hold you accountable for it. That's what, when you go to a wedding, it's a very serious thing because you were all witnesses, and you're there to help support and encourage that couple to make it all the way, not part of the way. So you have to be willing to speak up. We have a society that's built upon convenience. We want easy, fast, and least cost possible. Secondly, uh, stay at the table during a conflict. It's not withdrawing physically or emotionally. Um, we need help sometimes to kind of, quote, stay in the game in the relationship. In, in Matthew 18, 15 to 17, it gives us the story about if, if somebody has an offense with someone, you go to them. If, they, if it doesn't work, you get somebody to go with them to the church. The whole idea is that you, you increase the circle uh, to unity. That's the point. But, but when we stop communicating, when we uh, back out of the conversation, when we, even worse, have a conversation, but it's not real, which is hypocrisy, uh, we withdraw and we surrender the relationship. And we say, that which we saw treasuring is now not worth it to us. We forgot the delight, and we're looking at the dirt. Third thing is value over performance. Who are we is separate from what we do. We all want that. We all want to be loved for who we are. I wanted somebody that would love me on my worst day, not just my best day, because I could show up good for a date. 
Uh, but Beth wasn't looking for somebody to show up for a, uh, good for a date. She wanted somebody to show up good for life. And, and I don't show up good all the time. But we have a commitment and a commitment, thankfully, with Jesus that so we have that in common. It gives us a strength to be able to walk together in common grounds. He calls us both up to a higher standard. And so we can walk out our commitment together. So we have a, a performance that needs to be corrected, but it doesn't diminish our value. We don't do everything right. So we need people that will say, hey, hey, you know, you pay people money. You pay coaches money to, to tell you off. It was amazing to me that when my son started playing football in the city league, I used to go to practice and he, he don't have to come. Oh, I didn't tell him. I love to go to practice. I he would do the mean, the coaches were mean to them and they would do it eagerly. I'm, it was because sometimes I asked a simple thing and didn't want to do that, but the coach would actually make them run until they're almost sick to their stomach and these guys are all doing it. And I'm going, wow, this is amazing. This is so fun to watch. <laughs> it's amazing what we can do when we actually want to. Things of value can be misused and we have great value. People have great value and we can, we can miss that. Handling correctly if we allow our heart to get hardened by the missteps in relationships that we all experience. Next thing is protecting in love. Proverbs 10, 12, maybe you already got to this. I'm not sure how far along in the series we are. But uh, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. In, in Proverbs 17, 9, he who covers the transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. You know, gossip is one of the worst things that God hates. He hates it. He doesn't just like it. He hates gossip. Well, what is gossip, Pastor Steve? Gossip is telling the wrong people things that they can do nothing about. So if stuff goes wrong, and it does, you talk to the right people. Who are the right people? The people that can do something about it. That's who you tell. You tell, talk to people that can actually do something about it. So if I take a marriage situation and you tell other people about a problem with your spouse and it's not somebody who's actually engaged and can do something about it to help you both handle it and be reconciled, it's just gossip. It's just gossip. It's using strength to cover weakness. We may know things about someone, but we only speak to those who can do something about it. We all know stuff about people. If you're going to do life with people, you're going, to, you're going to know people and know stuff about people. And when you hear something, talk to the person. Talk grace for that person. That's not everybody. Not everybody can handle your stuff. But God will put people in your life that have grace for you. I had some, I, uh, I'm going to digress for just a moment. I had a phone call from a fellow in the church many years ago, and he started giving me a hypothetical situation about somebody in the church. I said, well, who are we talking about? And he paused. I said, whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute. Call him Fred, because it wasn't Fred. Uh, Fred, are you trying to protect somebody in the church from their pastor? Oh, I never thought of it that way. I said, well, think about it that way. Because I've been charged by God to care for their soul. And if you're telling me you don't trust me with their name, that's a problem. 
Yeah, yeah, he says, I think it is. I never really thought of it that way before. So he told me the name. I said, okay, well, here's the situation a little bit that's going on. Here's another side of the story you didn't hear. Uh, this is where we're going on. Thank you very much. I said, now, just so you know, I will say that we talked um, because what's the point? We're just trying to help, that's all. We're trying to restore. I see way too many relationships broken up because people wouldn't talk to anybody. Oh, don't tell anybody what's going on. Well, hey, when the divorce comes through, we're all going to know. Hey, when you leave, we'll all know there's a problem. It might have helped if we talked about it ahead of time. Might have been something we could do. Might have been a little bit of personal agenda there. Maybe on both sides. That happens. But the issue is we're building a kingdom. The kingdom in the church of Jesus Christ is built on the kingdom of God and God's will, God's purpose, his plan. And we don't get it all right all the time. But that's the goal. That's what holds us steady. And serving in love. Serving in love. What, what, is it, what does it mean to serve in love? Well, Galatians 5.13, Paul said this, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. We can all do things for each other, but we do it for love. In other words, we do it for the other person, not just for ourselves. You know, at Christmas time, always gets me. People like, love to give because it makes them feel better. You know, and, and, and giving generally does make us feel better. But that's not the highest reason for giving. The highest reason for giving is because we're serving God and, and, and God has a generous heart. The highest reason for giving is for their benefit, not for mine. Mine is the byproduct. The fact that it makes me feel better for doing social work, it, 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 that's that's true. That's a byproduct. We, we, as the church of Jesus Christ, are to be involved in society and relationships across the board. But we don't do it simply because we're part of some cultural thing that says, yeah, you got to do good and ruthless and then, you know, just because of uh, random kindness or whatever you want to do. We do it because of the Great Commission. We do it because of the command of God to represent his heart to the world and do whatever we can do, wherever we are, whoever we're with. Why? Because Jesus bought your field. He bought my field. Because we're to buy one another's field. Treasure, dirt, and all. And don't ever forget when you see the dirt that you found delight in the treasure. And where that treasure was, there is more treasure. But you're going to have to hunt for it. Stop looking for the dirt and start looking for the treasure in your marriage, in your friendships, in our church relationships, and in the world. Can we buy their field? Some of the fields are pretty ugly, pretty overgrown. They don't have much curb appeal. If you want to buy that field, you go, ooh, keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. But you got to know this. Why are people valuable? Because God said they're valuable. He sent Jesus for everyone. Because God loves the world. It's a simple but profound gospel. That God made us in his image. Everyone. And the life is precious and valuable. And that every person has treasure. We just have to hunt for it. 
Rather than being dirt inspectors, we need to be treasure hunters. Maybe that's a better title for this message. I just said it. <laughs> Sorry, just stop me in my track because I never heard that before. This, this message I asked Todd if I could share is, is uh, one, and then next week I, I cut on the, kind of a couple of my key messages of who I am and, and what God has done in our life. And not because it's easy, not because we do it all right all the time, but because I can live no other way. So, so let's not be dirt inspectors. Let's be treasure hunters. I like that. Let's be treasure hunters. I want to pray as we, uh, as we close today. But I want you to keep in mind those that uh, Jesus bought the field already for, but they don't know it. And maybe you're watching, and maybe that's you. Maybe you didn't know Jesus bought your field, but he does because he, he sees treasure in you, and he wants you to know all that he has for you, for us as a people. Father, we thank you that today as we walk in life and do life with each other, Father, we remind ourselves that you bought our field, that you so loved every one of us that you sent Jesus. And we're grateful that we can say yes to you, that you receive us. You receive us into your family when we say yes to you. Well, help us as your family to be treasure hunters. Keep looking for the treasure even when we find the dirt, we just keep digging. Lord, to see the value that you placed in each one of us and in one another. Father, whether a friendship or uh, a marriage or a church family or at work. Father, we need your help. We cannot do it in our own strength. Paul said that our flesh is weak, but the Spirit gives strength and power. And we need your Holy Spirit to help us to live like Jesus. We pray that today, uh, no matter where we are, who we are, who we're with today, Lord, we lift up our needs to you. And we believe that where your presence is, there is healing and there is miracles. And we believe for a touch of heaven right now for every person that's dealing with sickness or disease or infirmity, broken relationships. Father, we speak restoration and healing, wholeness in the name of Jesus. By your spirit, touch lives, touch families, touch relationships today. Give us your strength, your power, your anointing to do life as you would desire it. And to you be the glory, the honor, and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like more information on Collective Church, find us on social media at This Is Collective Church or reach us on our website, collectivechurch.ca. Thank you for listening, and we hope to see you Sunday.